You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's a Thursday here on the Locked On Utes podcast, and that means that Cole Bagley is here to talk Utah football. And wouldn't you know, the University of Utah received a big-time commitment from a big-time recruit right before Cole and I decided to record. We'll talk about that recruit on this very first segment. We'll also talk about uh, Utah basketball, review and recap the game, and, and take a look forward to the season. When Lastly, we're going to discuss what's up next for the University of Utah football team and what Cole heard as he was up at practice this week from Cam Rising and TJ Pledger. And of course, we're going to break down the uniform matchup. All that on today's episode of the Locked on Utes podcast for November 11th, 2021. Thursday, my Utah friends and family. A very happy Thursday here on the Locked On Utes podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every day. We are free. We are available. We are on all platforms. Well, I should say Locked On Utes is. I am El Duque. Cole Bagley, the closer, is not available. He's locked down. That's why we call him Big Daddy. Uh, unfortunately, you're not going to get to hear, uh, his better, um, his, uh, what do they call it when you have a baby? I guess having a baby, your child, your prodigy. Yeah, there you go. Is it prodigy? My offspring. 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 There we go. That's a word that works. Um, your offspring is, he's already got the, the, the back and forth down. Oh, well, I mean, he watches every single Utah football game. (laughs) And the, the O-line is doing incredibly well. So he's learning from the best. And uh, no, I'm dead serious. He'll sit on my lap and watch it. If, if I'm at home, you know, mm-hmm. if I'm not in the press box, which unfortunately he can't be in there. But if I'm at home and he's even watching when I'm not there, my wife has sent me multiple videos of him watching. And uh, I try not to let my emotions get the best of me. When I, when I see that, cause it just warms my heart, but yeah, he's got it down for sure. That's okay. I, I'll, you can let me get my, emo- let my emotions get the best of me. Because I love his his technique already. I think for you know a toddler, his size, he's got it all. But he's not the number one recruit that we're going to talk about on this podcast tonight, Cole. Because it was a big day on Wednesday for the University of Utah. The week started off a little bit rocky with rumors of Colin Chandler, you know, possibly flipping to BYU. Made it official with a gender reveal type celebration at Farmington High School. I'm not. I'm not knocking Colin. I, I think Colin is a great young man. I'm excited for his future. Uh, I watched an interview with him the other day, and I'm just I'm still super impressed with him, and, and I'm excited to watch him play basketball. Just not at BYU, uh, and not under the circumstances that he's going there. But to soothe the pain, to 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 cool the burn, Cole, right on, right, right, cowboy, cowboy. up. Yeah, what happened? On your boots. Give us your best uh, headline. Ooh, my best, my best headline. Um, well, my brain is fried, so we'll see how this goes. <laughs> but I would just say best headline, four-star linebacker from Brighton High School announced his commitment. Lander Barton announced his commitment to University of Utah through his sister. And it's not what would you, the quadfecta. Is that even a word? 
is is complete. All the Barton kids will have have wrecked the university. Yeah, whatever you call it. Leonard Barton committed to Utah, and now all the Barton kids are Utes for life, and it is just a great day to be a Ute. It really is, and I thought it was a unique way to announce his commitment. Uh, he's in full cowboy garb, wearing the black Stetson hat. There's the graphic of the map in front of him, but it the best part, and, and I just feel like this was a very subtle touch on his behalf, was not so much him announcing it himself, but having his sister Danny, who I will, I will pass from this green earth, saying that she is the greatest Barton in, in my lifetime, in my eyes, having sister Danny post his official commitment to the University of Utah, I thought that was a really unique move from a kid that's a really unique individual. And I think this goes back to the chance that, that or the episode where we talked, I think it was two weeks ago, where you had a chance to talk to him, you know, what, putting that interview together, seeing this commitment, what does it tell you about who Lander is and really what hit home for him to make this decision? Yeah. I mean, I had an opportunity to talk to him um, following his official visit. And I think the youths, uh, university of Utah football program, just, just, I think they just nailed it. I think they hit it right on top of the head and really showed him the type of program that they were and what, what I think stood out to me and what he talked about is um, I think there was a little bit of pressure on him with his, his family, you know, all the Bartons having been great athletes at the University of Utah. I think there was a lot of pressure on him. And that's, that's something that I talked uh, to multiple sources about, um, you know, a few months ago, there was, they weren't exactly sure where Lander would be committing to. And, and Utah um, was in a little bit of a question, but I think following his visit, I think the fact that Utah treated him just normally, you know, they didn't roll out any sort of crazy red carpet and they, they, they went after him because of the type of athlete he is, the type of production he had um, over the last few years, especially this year as a senior. And I think that's what really resonated with him is that he didn't want all of the all the things that, that, that were going to come with just his name. And some people, some people, you know, on social media and said, well, of course, of course they went after Lander. He's a Barton for, you know, for heaven's sake. But I'm like, I think Utah sees him beyond that. And he really appreciates that they see him as another recruit. And they simply want him to come play football because they know he can be a good football player based off what they've seen from him. Um, and so, and, and as well, I think just the family, the family aspect, you know, uh, he, as well as um, Carson Tabarachi, Dallas, a couple other recruits I've talked to, that's all they really had to, to say. Um, and what really in, in regards to what stood out to them was just the family feeling that they each individually felt. And I think that Lander really felt family just because Utah is a football family um, and not because he's a Barton. So I think that's, that, that's my, you know, personal opinion from, from what I've collected is that I think Lander appreciated simply just being a normal recruit that nothing crazy was, was done on his behalf, but he felt the family, the family vibes, the family feel, and now he's joined that family. What I think Utah did exceptionally well with Lander was that they provided him with a visit and an experience that was custom to him, not to the Barton family, not to the Barton legacy, but really making him feel like it was Lander that was important and not the Barton name, right? And I think there it was twofold. One, 
this is just a very special season to be on the inside of Utah football because this is a team that's very engaged on a mission. This is a team that's been through a lot of adversity. They've turned a lot of hurt, pain, and sadness into happiness, joy, uh, success. And I think when you do that, when you work hard at something, and, and anything in life, there's always joy, right? But I think when you work at hard at something that's been exceptionally difficult to deal with, and you find those moments of success, it, it really does bring a different vibe and an energy to a team. And I think here's, you saw that on Friday night with how they were playing against Stanford. Every single time this team has played outside of Oregon State, like it's been super high energy on the sideline. It's been super high energy on the field, through the whistle, blocking, all that kind of stuff. I think for a kid like Lander, that's a big, impactful feeling because that's how he plays. That's how he lives. That's how he that's how he is and and he's not a really talkative guy necessarily um while we're talking about this subject i want to kind of transfer over to what you see from him on the football field and where do you see him fitting in on this team because he has played both sides of the ball right and in high school i should say yeah so i i've had the honors of, of watching uh lander a couple times so he actually you know he attends brighton high school that's actually my alma mater um so it's been fun to to be able to talk to a lot of people that are close to him. Um, as I try to inch my way into the sports media world, you know, sources are a big deal. So it's been nice to, to have some of those connections close to him, um, uh, to know what's going on, uh, inside his head and then as well on the football field. But yeah, from what I've seen from him, I've watched him a few times this season in covering high school football. He is just a monster athlete. He, he is incredibly successful on both sides of the football. Um, I tweeted out a week ago, just his stats, you know, so Lander Barton finished with 122 tackles, which is second in the state, uh, for five, this is all five, a, um, eight sacks, which he put him at fourth, uh, two defensive touchdowns, which put him at eighth. Both of those pick sixes. One of them was actually in front of Jim Harbaugh, uh, when he came out to see, uh, just what, what, uh, Lander was made of. He was, uh, he had eight receiving touchdowns, which placed him at sixth. Um, overall, he's just a football machine. Uh, and it's no wonder that he was one of the, the top recruiting targets. And he honestly, of this class, he's, he's the recruit that's got me the most excited. Um, and most of it doesn't even really have to do with the fact that Barton is going to be on the back of his Jersey. Um, I try to look at each recruit as an individual, obviously with the Barton name, there comes a lot of expectations, but I just, when you look at Lander as an individual, He's, he's just a phenomenal football player on both sides of the ball. He's, he's got a great, you know, size to him. Um, you know, he's uh, six foot four, 215 pounds, you know, four-star recruit. It, it just the times that I've watched him, the athleticism that he illustrates and demonstrates on, on every single play, whether it's offense or defense, it's just immaculate and incredible to watch. I mean, just as a high school football player, a high school athlete, he gets you really excited. You know, there's, there's a similarity that I, I kind of noticed with him. Utah fans have come to know of, of the incredible defensive abilities that Devin Lloyd has. And that's, what's going to make Devin Lloyd a first high first round pick. And one of those things is that Devin Lloyd is on the end of nearly every single tackle, whether he's making the tackle or he's just simply within the vicinity. He's he's on the end of every play, and that's very similar with with Lander. Watching him play defense, whenever Brighton was was um, you know trying to stop an opposing offense, 
Lander was either making the tackle or he was very, you know, nearby helping, uh, you know, helping with an assist or simply just right there in case, uh, you know, one of his teammates didn't wrap up. He, he's a beast. And he also has great eyes, great, a great feel for uh, the field. You know, he's got two pick sixes. Um, and then as well, he also has quite a few passing touchdowns and quite a few yards. Um, so this kid just, he just knows the game on both sides of the ball, which will make him uh, very valuable. You know, he knows what to expect from offenses. He's played a lot of offense himself. And so he just, he makes me really excited. Um, and I think we're going to see some, uh, a lot of contributions from him pretty early on in his career. Yeah. And we've seen that Utah's had a, uh, a proclivity to playing the younger players who, who actually have done the work and, 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 Grown into the system. I don't think there's any doubt that Lander's going to do that. And his understanding and his football savvy is a lot higher, I think, uh, than Cody's, who was uh, just took some time to develop. And I think the other thing, too, is that I think Cody went through a lot of stuff in his time at the University of Utah um, that was uh, difficult to deal with, right? And 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 I, once he got uh, those situations handled, um, and I just don't want to go too in depth into it because that's a private matter and it's nothing serious. Yeah. You know, it's something that a lot of us deal with, um, you know, uh, once he got through all that stuff and, and really the other thing too, is connecting with John peace, uh, his, his stock skyrocketed. I want to wrap things up here with, with just an evaluation from Blair Angulo, the mountain region recruiting analyst for 24 seven sports. He says Lander is a lean framed prospect with long arms, prototype build and plenty of physical upside to fill out versatile and instinctual linebacker who could fit in at any of the spots inside the box. Strong tackler who holds his ground and charges into contact, reliable in one-on-one situations, does well to wrap up to finish plays. In blitz packages, shows an ability to get past blockers and displays very good closing speed to pressure the quarterback, top-of-the-line spatial awareness, and takes efficient routes to the ball to eliminate possible outlets. Although fluid athletically, could improve in man coverage situations and moving laterally, major potential as a multi-year starter at the Elite Power 5 level, and projects as a late-round NFL draft selection. Uh, he rates him as a four to seventh round selection. And then his comparison is Shane Scove. Uh, it, it, don't get too upset when you see that four to seven round evaluation, because what they're essentially saying is how does he project against some of the other athletes in this class? Um, and obviously a little bit of insider info to who he is. I think the comparison to Shane Scove is, is phenomenal because if he ends up being a Shane Scove type, that was a kid that was incredibly impactful, both on the culture uh, and you know, on the field at Stanford and, and even beyond that. And so it'll be interesting to see what Lander can do in terms of building his brand. He's going to come in under Colton Swan, who I think without a doubt is one of the best linebacking coaches in the Pac-12, but also one of the best recruiters on staff now. It's one in, you know, one and two between he and Kyle McDonald. And I think Chad Bumpfist is nipping at the heels, which is bizarre to say because for so many years, the staff has been Morgan Scally and Sharif Shah, and that was it. And, and you know, I think Freddie Whittingham's the guy that's doing a lot of good things in recruiting as well. You know, Jim Harding, I, I've said it before, I think he could be better at closing some of the higher-valued, uh, higher higher-rated uh, prospects, but his eye for under-the-radar talent is second to none, and he lands that at an incredible rate. Um, closing thoughts uh, in terms of you know, what this means for the class going forward. I think it's huge. Um, you know, looking at the, the current 2022 commitments, I mean, I put Lander up at the top there, you know, four-star linebacker, another four-star Nate Johnson quarterback out of uh, California, Jalen Glover out of Florida running back three-star, arguably four, uh, and, and a couple other, you know, notable three stars. Um, 
I think Utah is really building something special here. Um, we've already got a lot of special young talent on this team and this incoming freshman class is just going to take it to a whole new level. Um, and not, and, and, and again, I, I've, I've talked about this before, you know, I've, I've spoken with uh, Carson Tabarachi who, who is, uh, who still has yet to, to commit, um, to any, any college. He's, he's one of uh, Utah's top, uh, prospects still, um, and is actually a very close friend of Lander. Now it will be interesting to see what impact this has on Carson's decision, um, Neither of them have alluded to anything. I've spoken to both of them, but what I've taken away is they're very good friends. They're very close and they had similar experiences in their, uh, their official visits. And, uh, you know, could this have an impact on Dallas? Um, I think it'll be interesting. I would not be surprised if we end up seeing Carson commit to the university of Utah. Now, like I said, I, that is my own, um, analysis that that's from, you know, just from what I've gathered, you know, Carson hasn't told me anything either as Lander in, in terms of that, but they're good friends. They had a great uh, visit together. I like, I like what uh, Carson brings to the table. He's, he's got um, a lot of, I, I would compare him to, you know, Brant Keithy, but I think a, a stronger and faster Brant Keithy um, with a lot of potential, but could this have some, some effects on that? They're good friends and Carson is yet to commit. So I, I really like that we, that uh, Utah secured Lander. It could uh, potentially affect maybe uh, bringing in some big, bigger name recruits that still have yet to commit. You know, I mean, you see when, when the top kid commits, the top recruit commits and he's friends with some of the other guys could have an effect. Yeah. And I think that that was a strategic thing with Utah where they had Nate Johnson and and Jalen Glover, you know, with a certain group and, and also had Dallas, uh, Lander and, and Carson together in terms of who they wanted to, uh, to visit and, and who they wanted to group together for that very reason, because those bonds are really what sells, I think, a university a lot. And, uh, you know, the other thing too, just real quick before we break, and we've gone on really long with this one, I think, uh, if you look at the 24 seven class rankings right now in the pack 12, Utah's ranked 10th. Uh, that's just because of the number of this class. And if you factor in um, the fact that Chris Reed is still unrated and that Teo Johnson, and I want to shout out Bryce Anderson uh, for, for correcting me on the pronunciation on that. Thank you, Bryce. Uh, sometimes we don't get the proper uh, pronunciation on these guys. So I really appreciate it when people chime in with that, chime in with that. Uh, Teo is also a, a, a very underrated recruit. Um, and I think that's, you know, for him, it's a downside simply because he's coming from Idaho. That being said, uh, Utah is the fifth ranked overall class per uh, average rating and only an opportunity to go up because obviously Jalen Glover and, and Chris Reed and, and Teo are all going to get evaluations done over again. Uh, today's show is uh, sponsored by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Boy, it's a great day to be talking about McDonald's because uh, I'm feeling great, Cole. And that's what I think of when I think of McDonald's is, is good memories, good times going there. Uh, you know, I don't know about you, but like after school, we'd swing by the McDonald's, get a high C orange or an ice cream cone. I mentioned that on my mission, we kind of treated McDonald's as the unofficial embassy uh, for the United States and whatever city that we were in, in Ukraine, like it was like going home, like going through a portal or something like that. Do you have any fond memories of, of McDonald's growing up? 
Oh, all the time. I was all about those Happy Meals. Uh, but recently, I had the opportunity in Hawaii to have a um, an apple pie that I think they deep fry. Yes, over there. Yeah, and they, they don't deep fry them in America on the on the mainland. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, and it was. I mean, it was life changing. To be honest, uh, totally worth it. Um, had to drive twenty minutes almost to the other side of the island to get one. Um, but no, that was that was my first time and. McDonald's is great. That's that's like my go-to for like if I just want some fries and a Coke, I'm definitely just going to go to McDonald's because they got the best fries and their Coke, their Coke is better too because they add like I think a little extra little extra sweetener in it. So, love me some McDonald's. Yeah, and and that's I think the thing about McDonald's is that everybody has a good memory and that's part of what they're uh they're there for is is to uh you know be the one or be the area where you can come and, and meet up with your friends and uh you know if you have to take advantage of the wi-fi i've done that more than a few times where i've been on the road or writing articles and you know you can pull into a mcdonald's hook up to the wi-fi maybe grab some fries or a mcflurry afterwards you know a little treat treat yourself action so head to your yeah. local mcdonald's to refuel and reconnect did somebody say locked on youth's watch party cool <laughs> give them the line yeah Da, 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 da. I'm loving it. Bringing it back here on the Locked On Utes podcast as part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making us your first listen every day as we are free and available on all your favorite platforms and soon to be YouTube. Here with my good friend, Cole Big Daddy Bagley. And it is basketball season, Cole. And it, it always sneaks up on me so early. And I always kind of question myself, like, am I really ready for basketball? But I think... I'm oddly excited for this season. And, and you know, I, over the years, I've been a staunch Larry Kraskoviak fan. I, I, I liked watching the basketball teams. I liked watching last year's team. I think exceptionally more than anybody else. Everybody else was fed up. That being said, I did understand that it was likely time for a change. And I'm excited about the change that's happening. And I think that, you know, this Utah team is not uber talented. There are no four and five star recruits on this roster. But there are a lot of exciting uh, team players. I don't want to say glue guys because I think that's a term that's overused, but role guys. But impact players who do things outside of just being stars who put the ball in the bucket. Uh, last night, or I guess two nights ago, um, when this is airing, it beat Abilene Christian. And it, that really shouldn't have ever been a contest regardless, right? I mean, Abilene Christian is just not a team that should ever be able to compete with Utah just on financing and, and all that kind of stuff alone. What Didn't did they make see? the tournament last year? Yeah. And the, I think they beat, was it Texas? Yeah. I think right. they went to the round of 32. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's, that's why I think basketball is a cool sport. Um, but at the same time, like they're in the whack. Utah's in yeah. the Pac 12. I think that Utah probably gets more TV revenue just as a standalone institution than the entire whack does. Um, and, and that's where I kind of put this is, is that it's, you know, in terms of facilities, everything else, the way Utah stacks up against a program like this is just, it's not even fair. I think the Utah's practice, Utah's practice facility is likely as nice as, as Abilene Christian's arena, but I, I don't want to get out of my lane here because I have no idea what their arena is like. I do know how nice that Utah facility is. What did you see last night from the, from the running youths that you liked? Well, so I, I covered the beat um, for the Chronicle last year, um, and you know, kind of what you were talking about. I mean, there were some fun things to watch, but it definitely was time to pull the plug on it. And 
uh, revamp the, the program. And so I, I think they've done that, um, really well. Um, it's, it's never an easy thing. I mean, it, and, and I don't know that we've seen a power five program, a basketball program kind of go through what the youths have gone through, you know, I mean, completely, uh, new coaching staff. I mean, the roster turned over significantly. Um, you lost, you know, all your, your great players. And so you had to start over and it was, it was a difficult thing to do. And not um, only that, but like you lost your players, your star players to big programs, right? Timmy Allen goes yeah. to Texas. Uh, why am I just blanking out? Pella Larson goes to Arizona. Um, Ian Martinez. Um, yeah, Maryland. Yeah, Maryland. And that one's maybe, you know, well, Maryland's a good school. And and then you have our uh, in Fuego, El Fuego, um, going to uh, Alfonso, going to Illinois. So it wasn't like guys were going to like also runs. They went to bigger, right. stronger power programs, and and Utah really had a, a kind of a tough start. I think everything last year was so disjointed with COVID. Anyways, continue on. Yeah. So I mean, a lot of people are are frustrated somewhat with what they saw, and to be honest, you I don't really think there's any reason to be. This is this is the team fun that I think uh, everybody really needs to just get behind, get behind these guys and just, and take, take them for what they are. Right. Um, but what I liked, um, they won, right. They started yeah. off, off, they started off uh, uh, the Craig Smith era with a victory. That's an important thing. That's a good confidence booster, not only for him, but for themselves. Um, and then you had four out of the five uh, starters in double digits. You had 55 total rebounds, um, which rebounding was an issue. Um, over the last couple of seasons, we just haven't quite had the size, um, nor do I think we had the player types to really rebound the basketball. Uh, but yeah, 55 total rebounds, uh, 23, I believe second chance points, which is huge, which made a big difference, which helped them win the basketball game. Um, I like the, the play of David Jenkins jr. I think as, as he kind of settles more into his game and gets more comfortable, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he's, you know, averaging close to 20 points. Uh, Brandon Carlson was great. I think we saw a lot of, uh, ferocity from him. I, I think he's going to, I think he's taken his game, um, to, to a new level, um, compared to what we've seen, you know, he's got the size, but I think this year he's really added the aggression I and mean, obviously it's just one game, but I like what I saw so far. He had four, you know, 14 points, second leading score, uh, and 10 total rebounds and double, double. That's great to see from him. Um, and, and I just, I liked the, um, and I used this word before the aggression. I think, I think that the team as a whole play a lot more aggressive than, than we've seen in the past. I like them coming out. They seem to have some pretty good chemistry. I mean, this is a whole bunch of guys that were thrown together in the off season. Um, but I liked what I saw, I believe, wasn't it Marco Anthony that had a throwdown slam, um, last night as well. Put it, put a, put one of those, uh, poor guys on a poster. Um, at least I think it was Marco Anthony. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I really can't complain too much. The only things that, that stood out to me a little bit that were not so great is you only had 11 bench points and that all came from one guy. Um, nobody on, nobody else on the bench scored. Granted, not a lot of them took shots, but the rest of the bench was, uh, looked like they're about over four. Um, so that's something that's going to need to improve. Um, you know, you need, you're going to have scoring and you guys have, you have guys that are capable of doing so. Um, I like Gabe Madsen. I think he has a pretty high potential. We'll see how he does. Um, and then when you can get Gotch back, I think he adds a whole dynamic um, to the team. So overall, I think 
for for who for who this team is and what they you know what they've had to go through in in coming together but most of them joining a new a brand new program the brand new coaching staff pulling the plug and starting over from scratch to win the first night i think is a huge step and i think there's there's a lot to work on but i'm pleased with what i saw yeah i, I this is not the time to start um either planning trips to the uh to march madness nor is it the time to abandon the ship because i think this was a very new team playing their first game together Yes, there are some standbys in Riley Batten and, Car- and Brandon Carlson who I think played uh, reliably well. Riley didn't shoot great from the field, uh, but he still had ten rebounds and eight points. Which, if he can continue to rebound at that rate, that's going to be Utah's going to be fine. You did mention that the bench was not uh, very strong in terms of contributing to that. Uh, Dushan Mahorchich had uh, eleven points and eight rebounds, almost had a double double, and I think he's a guy that really does fit a role and feel a need for Utah and that, that he can kind of be that enforcer. So I think there are going to be some lineups at some point where we see Brandon Carlson and, and Dushan together, and that's going to be just fine because I think Carlson is more of a rangier four type player. If he's got a guy like Dushan down low who can, who can be the enforcer and, and he's just, he plays with attitude and I really like that about him too. And he, he looks, he looked loads better from, uh, from how I heard he played against Westminster um, Lazar Stefanovic, who I'm very, uh, very high on, and I had a chance to talk to uh, um, Demarlo Slocum on Bill Riley's show last Friday. Uh, he's high on him as well, and I think he'll have some adjustment right now. It's a different game in college. It's not as free-flowing, and so he's going to have to learn some nuances. But by the time conference play rolls around, I think he and Gabe Madsen, and I'm really, really hoping that Lahat Chun finds a way to pick things up because he's got to be an impact guy for this team. His athleticism and his length have to be impactful. Uh, that's how Utah's going to win games. They're going to have to defend and they're going to have to be at times a, a better and a bigger team than everybody that they're playing. Now that's part of the problem. I think with Lahat and why he was originally in the transfer portal was because he didn't come around to things. Now he said that he's learning all sorts of new things uh, from this staff, and so I think that's very promising. Obviously, the energy and, and the tempo for everything that they're doing is much higher. I think on the defensive side of things, you mentioned the rebounding. This team is defending at a very high level. That will carry in conference, but you're going to have to find some scoring outside of David Jenkins Jr., and and it's going to you know rely on guys because Riley Wooster's not he, – he's a, he's, a, he's a good facilitator, but he's not a, a primary scorer. Same with Marco Anthony. So you're going to have to see somebody step up in that role um, and, and really carry the team. So that's going to be the fascinating part about it for me. Um, yeah, and it was the first game. I mean, the, the biggest thing I think I see is the fact that you had uh, 2,400 people attend the game officially. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a bumpy ride here uh, early on, especially when you have a top 25 football team. Um, you know, that, that's trending towards going to the Pac-12 championship game. Um, any other thoughts about basketball before we wrap this thing up? I just, I wouldn't, you know, if, if I was a fan, I would still pay attention to these guys. Um, there's still a lot of, there's a lot of potential on this team. I think that Craig Smith has come in and immediately grasped the loyalty of the players. Um, and, and they have nothing to lose. Um, you know, they, 
there are a bunch of guys that, that have come in. Uh, there's there, there a bunch of guys that have come in. Uh, they, they bought into the program. They bought into this idea. And, um, and I think we're going to see a lot of physicality from this team. I think on a nightly basis, they might be the more physical team, um, on the floor and they're going to have to play that way to compete. So I, I, there could be some potential upsets, um, that this team puts on. I don't think they're going to be making the tournament or anything like that. And and I don't see them as, as a competitor for the PAC 12 this year, but Hey, you know, maybe, maybe one of the top teams in the conference comes into the Huntsman center and, and, and they upset him. And that, that could be, you know, just something to watch for and, and take it for what it is, right. You, yeah. you just pulled the plug, give them time, um, to, uh, to, to figure it out. This is a very fun season in the sense that there are no expectations. It's very low pressure. You're probably going to be able to get tickets. No problem. Just go out there and watch the team and, and enjoy the fact that there is basketball and to, to attend for one, because that wasn't a possibility last year. Um, but also just, you know, take it, like you said, for what it's worth, your wins are not going to come on the court. They're going to come in seeing guys grow and, and develop and things like that. And, and finding out if there's maybe potential for some of these dudes to take a big step forward next year. Um, and, and, you know, I, I am I, like me driving the positivity wagon for this team, you know, should tell you everything really about that. And, and, and I've, one of my favorite seasons at the university of Utah was the year that uh, Larry Chris Goviak stepped in. Cause that team was terrible, awful, no good. And I think they beat Colorado or at least hate King close in the very first round of the pac 12 tournament. But uh, the games were fun to go to. You could get great tickets. It was a good environment. The team played hard, and, and you're you're going to see that every night from this squad. I think they're going to be better um, than that team was uh, because there are some good players on this team for sure. But um, I'm not going to tell you to bet the Utes as the favorite every single game this year, and that's for good reason because I don't think they're going to be favored very often. But the good news is if you want to find somebody else to put your money down on, uh, betonline.ag is here for you with a new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. They remain your number one spot for all the basketball and football action left this season. Not a lot of football. Uh, it, the college level left. We're really winding it down. So head over there, hurry and get signed up today, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on to receive your bonus. Again, basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC. If you like to play card games, it's all there on betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Brian, excited to talk about a new sponsor here on the podcast, our first local sponsor on the Locked On Utes podcast. Brian, how about that? We're getting traction in the local market. They like the cut of our jib, Jake, and boy, are we lucky because Intercap Lending is a great partner to have here on the Locked On Utes podcast. Yeah, I had a chance to go meet with Steve Carter and Brock, the guys over there, Intercap Lending, earlier this week. Had a great chat with them. Those of you who are familiar with Locked On Jazz will probably be familiar with Intercap Lending. They are a local local company here that wants to take care of all of your lending needs. Whether you're trying to buy a new home, you're trying to refinance, you want to cash out, uh, take advantage of your home's equity, they are here for you guys to take care of you in any facet of whatever you're trying to do with your housing situation. We all know right now that the housing market in Utah is insane, but Intercap is here to make it as simple and as straightforward and as easy a process as they possibly can make it. 
Yeah, it's great because they're a direct lender with in-house loan officers processing, underwriting. They don't have those overlays that other banks might have that that can take longer in the process. You're going to be dealing with your own personal loan officer. You know, you got to go to lunch with Steve. I'm super jealous of that one because he's a great guy. And and genuinely, everybody that works at Intercap is really really solid. They do a great job of getting things done on time, quickly. And I think that the biggest selling point in this market right now, uh, you know, um, you need every advantage you can get to yep. make sure that you get the house that you want. And Intercap is going to get you those advantages. Yeah. So if you want to reach out to Steve, please do so. You can call him 8385-800-800-8528. Or you can email him S Carter at intercaplending.com. He'd love to help you guys out. And by the way, we got a special offer for all of our listeners here on Locked On Utes. They offer a corporate discount when you mention you're listening to Locked On Utes or you're Locked On Utes listener. And we also, if you guys want to work with Intercap, let us know. You can email us lockedonutes at gmail.com. We can uh, get you in touch with the guys at Intercap Lending and make sure you are taken care of. We're happy to arrange a a meet and greet, so to say, and get you on your way. So take advantage of it. That's Intercap Lending. Steve Carter is the guy to call 385-800-8528 is his number, or you can email him, S. Carter at Intercap Lending. That's Intercap Lending, a proud sponsor with us here on Locked on Utes. NMLS number 190465, Intercap Lending. Wrapping things up here on the Locked on Utes podcast, and it wouldn't be a session with Cole Bagley if we didn't break out the uniform, break down the uniform announcement. An interesting choice as Utah goes with white, red, red on the road. Cole, your thoughts? Uh, I love this helmet. Um and I like the combination. I believe this is the combo that they wore last in their last, their final game last year um, against Washington State. And they also took a lot of their media day photos um, in this uniform. So I'm a little bit surprised to see it on the road because usually the road means white or sometimes black occasionally, but it's usually white. Um, but they haven't worn the red uniforms, these red uniforms for uh, since I believe week two against BYU. Um, so it was, it was time to break out the reds again, um, as next week is going to be the uh, military appreciation. But like I said, I love this helmet. Um, I know a lot of people really like the interlocking views, but I'm a drum and feather kind of guy. I think anybody can throw letters on a helmet, but very few, you know, very few, uh, organizations, programs can throw, you know, a, a native American, um, you know, tribal, um, drum and feather onto, onto a helmet. And I think that's what, what, uh, makes it very unique. And I think it looks great. And I love it on, I love it on this helmet. Um, it just looks really, really good. And, uh, I mean, I'm excited to see it in person since I'll be in Tucson. So I'm loving the look. Humble brag from our man, Cole Bagley. Uh, although um, there might be some people out there that are like, why would you brag about going to Tucson? I've been to Tucson. It's not that bad. Um, it's sometimes not that good. But you're going to get some really tasty Sonoran hot dogs. And that, to me, alone is worth the trip. Um, I like this uniform combination. Uh, I'm not... I I think people have been clamoring for more red for a while now. So I'm glad that they get uh, what they're looking for um, in in regards to that. I keep going back to the fact that I don't think we see the red helmets again this year. uh, Because it does feel like 
uh, the curse has been noticed by those in power. So that's a shame because it's a beautiful helmet. And I really don't care about uniform curses because at one point in time we were never supposed to wear all white. And now it's like probably one of my favorite uniform colors uh, uh, combinations. But that being said, I really do like this combo. I think it'll look good. I'm curious to see what happens with Arizona. They must be wearing white. Um, I can't find anything on the internet about it, though. Let's talk about what you heard at practice this week as Utah is coming off a very, very dominant victory over Stanford. What did Cam Rising have to say about the game and how they're preparing for Arizona? Yeah, so, um, I mean, they refl- he reflected a little bit on you know, the, the performance from the running backs in the previous game. You can't not talk about that with, with Utah's running backs just being unleashed, chopping down that uh, Cardinal defense time and time again, over 400 yards. What a fantastic performance. Uh, that was a lot of fun. It was interesting, too, because Cam said that he and Tavion talk a lot, and he's always there you know, just to make sure that uh, – that Tavion knows that he needs to continue to be improving, uh, and that he know and to let him know that Rising's there for him. So I'd like to see that leadership from Rising, uh, you know, checking in with his guys, um, making sure that they're that they're doing okay, that they're doing well. They know they're being appreciated, but they need to keep working hard and doing uh, doing what they do best. Um, but in regards to the game against Arizona, um, Cam was pretty pretty simple straightforward about it he says we've had a lot of fun you know we're, we're rolling right now but we understand that the job isn't done and we're not gonna yeah we, ha- we still have things to accomplish um and we're not gonna overlook everybody i think that was one of the biggest themes from practice this week um from the offense unfortunately we did not get to talk to the defense this week um media availability was just canceled um but monday's offense we got to talk to quite a few guys um and it just simply was we're having fun, but we're remaining focused. We're not overlooking anybody. Um, and we're just, uh, we're just, we're looking to be one and oh this week. And that's, that's what they've talked about in, in weeks before. And I think that's kind of a, a common theme that we see and, and something that Whittingham preaches is, is focusing on, on the week that you're in, um, and, and being one and oh. So that, that's, that's really all Cam had to, to talk about is we're, we're having fun. We're excited, but we know there's still work to be done. I think it was Karene Reed that said, you know, as long as we take care of one and every single week, that last game will take care of itself. And I, this has been a very, very consistent message from everybody. I think in, in looking at that game and, and watching it, there were a lot of people to point at and say, had a good game, had an impactful game, played a major role. I thought personally, Makai Bernard played his best game of the year against Stanford. He looks like he's fully healthy. Finally, uh, Sounds like you had a chance to talk to Makai on Monday as well. Yeah. Um, Makai, I think, has come a long way. And like you talked about, I think he's, he's fully healthy as well. Um, and, and, and he looked great. You know, we, we saw some really good things from Makai early on in the season. Uh, but then he dealt with, you know, some injuries. And then just with Tavion taking uh, the spotlight, you know, he has kind of had to take a back seat. But uh, that's something that we talked about as well. Um, yeah, well, I think one of the most notable things, um, that he said is, is you know, somebody questioned him. They said, you know, Makai, how does it feel to, to be a part of a room that, that somebody else has, is, 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 is running back one, I guess, per se, you know, you know, Tavion asked him about, about what it's like to now play behind Tavion. And he said, you know, we're all good. We're all dogs. We had our chance to show what we could do. Tavion stole the light. 
Um, but we, we still get our chances and it, and it feels great last week. All, you know, all of us rushed for a hundred yards and we can still do that. So it feels good. So what I like to see is there's a lot of maturity from Makai Bernard there realizing that, you know what, Tavion has emerged as the star, but we still will play and show what we can do when our name is called. And, and he did that as well as TJ Pledger. And, and I think that that creates a lot of confidence for the room uh, themselves. You know, the fact that you have a beast right now in Tavion Thomas, who I think is playing like one of the best running backs in the country. But then you have someone like Makai Bernard who can come into the game and go for a, over 100 yards, who can actually, I, th- I believe he led the team in yards from a reception standpoint through the air. And then he scored a touchdown. So Makai just showing a lot of maturity, re- recognizing that, you know what, Tavion's doing really well. I recognize that. I see that. But I'm going to support him. And then when the coaches call my number, when Tavion needs a rest, I'm going to come in and I'm going to bring the heat too. Yeah, it wasn't like any of them had a pedestrian day by the numbers. Uh, Tavion clearly had the biggest numbers in terms of touchdown runs with four, also 177 yards. But Makai... 12 carries for 110 yards and a TD himself. And like you mentioned, he did lead the team in, in receiving yards, albeit it was by one yard. But at the same time, two catches for 32 yards with a 16-yard per uh, catch average, that's good. We like that in football. His completion percentage also was 100%. That's a big thing. Uh, in my book, uh, if you're getting the ball thrown to you, you darn well better catch it. Um He's also a very charismatic kid. You've had a chance to co- talk to him a couple times this year. Have you seen his attitude or his uh, energy level like dip at all? Because it feels like he's just always like hunted emoji. <laughs> um, I think there for a while he is a little maybe disappointed because of the injury that set him back a little bit. Um, but I think Makai's back at that hundred emoji that he you know he's back at that high level. Um, he's excited and, and he recognizes his role. He's embracing that role. Um, and, and he knows as well as the rest of the team that they have hit their stride. This is the team um, that everybody was talking about. These, these are the results that everyone was expecting early on in the year. It's finally come to fruition and, and he recognizes it and he's giving, he's giving credit to where credit is due. He had a lot to say about the old block thing that they're the number one difference um, and how they've been able to produce at such a high level. Um, and so, yeah, I know, no, Makai, I would not be surprised if we see similar performances, um, from Makai Bernard through the rest of the season, not necessarily saying, all right, he's going to go for a hundred yards behind nearly 200, um, from Tavion Thomas, but he's going to make the most of his reps when he comes into the game. I don't know if you remember this, this play, I think it was in the second half, but Makai took a handoff and the play seemed to be blown up right from the start. There's about three or four Stanford defenders in the backfield right at the beginning. And he, and this is how Josh Furlong put it. He seemed to have avoided nearly 50 tackles and somehow reached the first down marker. And that's really what it felt like is he had, he was surrounded immediately. He somehow squoze through a couple tackles, slithered his way through another pushed through a couple more and then found his way near the first down marker. And I think that's what you get from a guy Bernard that I like so much. It reminds me a little bit of Austin Eckler. I think there's a little, some comparisons there, some, some smaller size, but really shifty, some um, underrated strength and just pushes through and, and has just the heart of a lion. Um, and that's what I've seen from him. 
And and something else that I've seen on a consistent basis, I like how effective he can be when he was when when he's on the receiving end of a pass from Cam Rising. This is not something that's that's new, and I like to see that uh, you know he can be a dump off option, maybe uh, you know an emergency option for Cam Rising. So I like what we saw from Makai Bernard. He sounds uh, excited. He sounds um, accepting of his role, and, and I think we're going to continue to see a lot of production from from this uh, running back room who previously struggled because there's a lot of talent. And I think these guys have finally figured out the way to make the most of it. it. The offense has really like grown into something that's uh, utilizing everybody at their posi- positional strength and abilities. Like I think being able to rotate three running backs in, have them all get touches and have an impact on the field is, is a very, um, positive thing um and i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the offensive line is opening up holes the guys who are in there are running through them uh exceptionally well and and you know like i said they've put them in positions where they can use their skill sets to succeed they're spreading the ball around nicely it's getting out of cam's hands more and into the playmaker's hands and i really do like it when you can see that kind of stuff um, we've gone on very long today. Uh, Cole, as always, thank you for joining us on the podcast and, and sharing your wisdom and your insight and your, um, honestly, I'm, I'm going to be selfish for a minute. Thank you for sharing your ginormous child and making my day because seeing him just gets me all excited and back into coach mode. I got those tingles. I'm ready to go out and, uh, run him through some drills, even though this was all virtually. Yeah, um, of course. No, we, we need to get together again soon. My wife, before before we hopped on, she said, make sure Brian knows that I like him a lot and we need to, we need to get together with him, with him soon. So, uh, no, if, if Bone's going to have any personal coaches in the future, I'm talking to him right now because I think given his size, we can we can probably say that he'll be playing on one of the lines. I, I don't know that he's a... He, he he's he. I don't know that he's necessarily the next thick boy, but yeah. uh, he might be. The, he might be the extra thick boy yeah, he, that we he, see uh, on one of those lines. He's a different kind of thick. He's got. Uh, he's going to have those big twenty-inch biceps. So and and uh, we'll teach him how to get the curls. So uh, to do the curls, so he can get the girls. Um, uh, <laughs> and I'll, honestly, like shout out. I love Cole, uh, but. Like we got to go to a staff barbecue and, and you sir married up. Well, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, your wife is, is an awesome human and, uh, really fun to talk to. And I'm looking forward to us at some point getting together back again. So, um, be sure to thank her for letting you come on the podcast and hang out with me. Cause uh, I get it. You know, everybody wants a little time with, with Cole Bagley. Uh, we're going to finally wrap things up here on the locked on youths podcast. A, in the meantime, make sure that you go check out the Locked On Bets podcast, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. We're going to be back again tomorrow. We'll see what happens. Maybe there will be more news, and we'll have to bring Cole back for another episode. Maybe Jake will be around. He's out uh, this week with some personal stuff, uh, taking care of his family. Um, shout out to Jake. You are uh, always in our minds and everything like that. We love you, buddy. Uh, but for sure, we'll be back tomorrow with one more episode of the Locked on Utes podcast. This has been the Locked on Utes podcast for November the 10th, 2021.
until tomorrow.